before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline continues to remain your number one place for all your betting needs and sports info as we head into the heart of Major League Baseball season. Head to their website or use your mobile device to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. afternoon or good night however and whenever it is you may be listening thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the take it easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is July 8th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is you may be listening We have a very special guest joining us here to send everyone into a fantabulous weekend. His name is Bob Nightingale. He is a very famous writer for USA Today, a national baseball reporter. He lives out in Arizona. He writes for USA Today. He's a radio host for MLB Radio on Audacity. If you follow MLB meme accounts, you've seen them many times bring up his tweets as a newsbreaker within the industry. We had Bob on with us back in May to talk about Trevor Bauer's suspension for two seasons and the details around the woman who brought charges against him and filed for a restraining order. And Bob was very insightful there as well as some baseball talk. This is just going to be a heavy, lighthearted baseball conversation with Bob. We talk about Shohei Otani. We talk about the trade deadline. We talk about the best teams in the National League. We talk about the the teams in the middle of the National League. We talk about the Giants. We talk about the Rockies. We talk about all kinds of fun little baseball topics here today. I'm very, very happy for any time that Bob is willing to share with us. If you want to read some of his stories, best place to find that is on Twitter. B Nightingale is the link. It's all or B Nightingale is the handle. The link is in the description to this here fine episode. Bob doesn't need our help though. Although any number counts. This man's got like 300,000 followers on Twitter. He's a national Major League Baseball reporter. He's been on MLB Network and such before. So Bob doesn't need our help, but any support for Bob is much appreciated because he gave a time to this little fun podcast that helps support our dreams. And I can say that I've had Bob Nightingale on the podcast and that I have Bob Nightingale's contact information. And that's a pretty freaking cool plus about being in this industry. 
as well as occasionally getting like news of some sorts. So it's it's always cool to have little moments where you can look up and be like, dang, it's pretty cool. Like when we have LeGarrette Blunt join the podcast, or we talk to our friend Chris Cluey, and little things like that. And we get to talk to our friend Dieter Kurtenbach, who has a national radio show in San Francisco talking about the Warriors. It's always fun to have little things like that that I can uh, look at and see how far I've come along in the, the beginnings of this here dream of being a person who makes $75,000 a year talking about sports. We're almost able to make taxable income talking about sports. It's a, it's a pretty cool little accomplishment we've got here. So we're supporting our dreams. I'm sorry to shamelessly plug again, but I'm making a documentary. It's called The Fall of the Spurs Dynasty. It's on the San Antonio Spurs. We just did a long episode about Greg Popovich any and all support is much appreciated. There's a link in the description to this episode. Download it on this feed. You guys came through big with the downloads on this feed. So download on this feed. Download on the Fall of the Spurs Dynasty podcast feed. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it is that you get podcasts. You guys have come through big time and I appreciate all of the support. The numbers have already exceeded what I thought this podcast would do. So anything after that is gravy. It's gravy after this fact because you guys have already hit the threshold that I was hoping to accomplish with this podcast. So check that out as well and enjoy this lovely conversation with Bob Nightingale that we had here on today's show. I've done enough shameless plugging and talking about dreams and all sorts of warm fuzzies to head into the weekend. We're also, since this is a heavy baseball topic, going to introduce Bob the way that we do here with our Major League Baseball anthem, which last year was the, the rap anthem by Rob Stone, San Diego legend, talking about our beloved, or my beloved, San Diego Padres, and uh, this year we have this incredible Major League Baseball, Take Me Out to the Ball Game on the electric guitar that is will serve as our anthem for the 2022 baseball season. So let us welcome on to this podcast, Bob Nightingale of USA Today and the Baseball Writers of America. All right. Joining us here today on the podcast is Bob Nightingale. Follow him on Twitter and uh, check out his work for USA Today as well. You can follow him at B Nightingale. Uh, Bob, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Anything has piqued your interest in the last couple of days? Yeah, everything's going good. And, uh, you know, Shohei Otani continues to uh, dominate both sides of the uh, ball. I mean, uh, I think we take this guy for granted. So it's amazing what he's, uh, what he's done. And, uh, you know, here we are just a, uh, about a week away from the all-star game. And, uh, you know, then after that, we got the uh, Cooperstown, the hall of fame and right after that is the trade deadline. So it's going to be a busy time here in about the next week. 
Yeah, that's why I wanted to to chat with you again because baseball is about to like speed up over the next three weeks. And you mentioned Otani. I'm guessing you you retweeted this about the the statistic that he has the highest slugging percentage with runners in scoring position in baseball in the last 50 years. And he has the lowest slugging percentage allowed as a pitcher with runners in scoring position over the last 50 years. That is dumbfounding in my mind that this is the case. That stats from uh, at MLB Random Stats on Twitter too. It's it's incredible how good he is. But putting that number to it is genuinely shocking to me because I was just seeing it for the first time. That's it's really incredible. Yeah, it's just nuts what he, he is doing. I mean. Uh... You know, you know, if we go back a month, you know, this guy is hitting, uh, you know, 305 with seven homers, 21 ribbies. And, then, uh, you know, on the mound, he's only giving up a 139 batting average, you know, one, 165 slugging percentage, no home runs. So, yeah, I mean, uh, this might be for a month stretch as good as, it, as good as he's been. What I'm also amazed by is on the statistic, the highest slugging percentage with runners in scoring position over the last 50 years. Second on the list is his teammate, Mike Trout, which I'm still amazed that Trout's having it. He might not win the MVP this year, but an MVP caliber of season. Because last year, I remember it was around this time, The um, I think it was on the MLB account where they were talking about, it's Mike Trout's 30th birthday. And I was amazed by that because I was like, wow, I, I can't believe Mike Trout's becoming the old guy in the sport a little bit. But here he is having another amazing season. Obviously, the Angels only have like a 25% chance to make the playoffs, but you know, it's still remarkable. Yeah, no, it's a... Uh... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shame those two guys, you know, aren't on winning team. You know, that the, uh, you know, particularly playing out west and, and Anaheim people are, are in bed back east. You know, what, 70, 75 percent country live in the east coast time zone. You know, and don't get don't get to see it. Uh, unfortunately, two of the times, uh, I think Otani's been at Yankee Stadium, he has, he has struggled there, you know, on, on the mound. So, you know, hopefully one day we'll see these guys in the postseason. You know, Trout's had three games in the postseason. You know, never won a game, and of course, Otani's never been. So it'd be nice to see these guys on the uh, big stage once. You know, besides the All Star game. I wanted to ask you about the. It feels like every year these two teams come up, but the Yankees and the Astros, because I was looking through the the rest of the schedule and the standings so far, and it feels like those two teams are going to be the ones at the end of the season. Obviously, baseball has random playoffs, of course, but in the new format, they'll get the. I guess the equivalent of a first round buy now. And, you know, both of them feel like the two most overwhelming teams in the American league. So what have you made about those two this year? I know the Yankees have, you know, statistics about this being one of the greatest pitching staffs ever. And, you know, Houston might catch them in the standings by the time the season finishes, but what have you made of both of those teams and uh, the possible playoff matchup this year? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, especially after what we saw with the Yankees and uh, Astros uh, already this season. It's like, we want this for the ALCS. The two teams hate each other, you know, the, uh, you know, Jim Crane and the owner of the Astros and Brian Cashman, GM, the Yankees were sniping each other earlier this year, about, you know, 2017. But the Astros are juggernaut. I mean, Astros are doing what the Yankees used to do. You know, uh, not only make the playoffs every year, but go deep. You're talking about, you know, three World Series appearances now since 2017, you know, one title. Uh, but, yeah, it's a uh, – if anybody can beat the Yankees, it's the Astros. If anybody can beat the Astros, it's the Yankees. You know, the National League is so much more, you know, uh, 
you know, more even. I mean, yeah, the Dodgers are there. So is Atlanta and, and the Mets. But uh, in the American League, I mean, just the Astros and Yankees have separated themselves from the pack. Do you think the Padres are in that mix in the National League or, or are they kind of just waiting it out? They're going to obviously play some tough team come playoff time because the Dodgers will probably win the, the National League West. But do you think of the Padres in that same group of teams? Uh, could be uh, and a little bit disappointing. I mean, you know, playing Baron last year, but I thought, you know, when Walker Bueller went down, I thought, when, why can't the Padres win the division? You know, and then they get beat up in L.A., uh, you know, recently. A, a good team. They need to get some offensive help. But I, I think if they get a bat or two, they can certainly be in that group. I mean, they're certainly capable of being the Dodgers or, or the Mets, maybe even Atlanta. Uh, but right now, I'd probably say, you know, Dodgers, Atlanta, Mets in a cheer by themselves. And, you know, Padres, uh, Milwaukee, and the Cardinals just right right below. Do you think there's a position of need for the Padres or just getting someone who fits in as a even designated hitter or an outfielder or something of those sorts? Yeah, at one time I thought, you know, go ahead and get a, uh, uh, you know, go with the Cubs and try to get, you know, Wilson Contreras, but their catching has stepped up. Uh, you know, he certainly has a bat. But yeah, they could use a, you know, they could use a DH. They could use an outfielder, uh, maybe for a production at first base. So I would think, you know, especially with the uh, deep pitching they have, they got some prospects they can uh, give up, you know, pitching wise. So I, I would, I would be stunned if AJ Peller doesn't get at least two bats this year. So from the teams that we know are sellers at this point, who do you think are the best assets that, you know, a team could acquire or a player who's available? Obviously, there's a lot of t- you mentioned yesterday on your Twitter, the Royals and, and Andrew Benintendi. He seems to be like a, a surefire player who's going to get traded um, with the athletics. Frankie Montas was a name that was getting thrown around and he got injured in his last start. But it looks like it's going to be a shorter stint on the DL or uh, on the IL. Um, what, who are the pieces that, you know, or you feel very confident are going to be traded before the, I think it's August 2nd deadline this year. Yeah. So August 2nd, I mean, I think the most busy GM will be, uh, Nick Crawl of the Cincinnati Reds. I mean, you know, he's got two starters in there, you know, and they, uh, so you're talking about Castillo and, and Maley also, um, a third baseman, Brennan Drury has played well, uh, probably make the all-star team, the outfielder, Tommy Pham. So you got some pieces there. Uh, they can move. I don't think people jump on Musakis. He's certainly available. But having two uh, the top three or four pitchers, uh, you know, everybody wants those two guys, particularly Castillo. You know, Manley's had a little bit of a uh, setback put on the injury list. You know, Montas would be interesting. I mean, it's kind of a debate. Who would you better have, Castillo or Montas? But with Montas, you know, even though they say it's not serious, you still only, you know, pitch one inning before you took him out of the start. Yeah, anytime, anytime you talk about his shoulder, you get nervous. Uh, so I'm sure his trade value has, has dropped uh, significantly. We'll see him be a ton of scouts watching his you know, next couple of starts, but no one wants to go with that, you know, with that red flag. But yeah, uh, Cubs will be interesting. You know, Contreras will be uh, out there. Uh, David Robertson, the closer. You know, as good as a reliever uh, will be on the on the market. Michael Givens will be on the market from the Cubs. Uh, you know, we'll see about uh, Ian Happ from the Cubs too. So, and you know, we're talking about Pittsburgh too. You know, might be the NL NL Central will have the most teams uh, giving guys up. 
which should give a clear path to the uh, Brewers and the Cardinals, both making the playoffs. Uh, for the teams who are kind of in an in-between, one of the ones I think of is Colorado, where they're not going to make the playoffs, but they have a lot of pieces that they might want to build on at this point. Do you think of them as like true sellers going into the deadline, or are they going to kind of stand pat? What do you think is going to happen there? I think they stand pat. Uh, you know, they get Trey Cool, the, uh, the starter, has done well for them. He signed for $3 million and free agent at the end of the year. Uh, we'll see about Daniel Bard. I, I, I think they'd like to keep him. Uh, we'll see. I'm sure I'll have some meaningful conversation with them saying, Hey, you want to stay or go? If you don't sign an extension, you know, we're going to be forced to trade you. Uh, <laughs> otherwise I don't see it. I mean, CJ Cron, they got him for another year. Uh, I would think you'd definitely uh, hang on to him. So they're not going to trade any of those other starters. So I don't, I don't see them doing much. I really don't. Interesting point there. I, I don't know what to do with them because like there's like you mentioned, obviously, all the NL Central teams. And, you know, I think if Juan Soto were to go on the market, which it seems unlikely now, he would be a big name. But the National League feel like it has very clear, defined teams trying to make the playoffs and teams who aren't. And I felt like Colorado was kind of in between. So it's it's an interesting point there. Uh, who do you think are the teams that need starting pitching the most going into the deadline? Because you mentioned all the the pitchers for you know Cincinnati who are available, and uh, I think of Montas, of course. Who do you think needs to make a move for a starter the most? I think, excuse me, I think it might be the Cardinals. Uh, you know, they're kind of banged up there. I mean, Lynn Wright's forty years old. You know, Nicholas has pitched well, but you know, Flaherty has taken uh, you know a big step back. Uh, Dakota Hudson step back. It seems like if they want to, you know, win the division, certainly go deep in October or have a chance for October. I would think they need one more than anybody. I, I think the Dodgers will still go after a starter. Uh, you know, who knows when a Walker Bueller comes back, you know, Kershaw, you worry about the age, how long is Tony Gosling going to keep this up? But I would think, yeah, I think the Cardinals be more desperate than anybody. But I, I could see the Dodgers with that deep farm system that they, you know, go grab a guy. You know, particularly with you know, Castillo and Montas uh, and Melee, you, know, you got those guys after next year as well. I feel like I bring up this question every year around the deadline, both with the, the Yankees and, and this team. Do the Toronto Blue Jays still need more starting pitching? Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, I forgot about the Blue Jays. They definitely do. Uh, they have a you know, nice young staff. Uh, you know, they've had a bunch of injuries. Uh, you know, nothing's really gone right rotation-wise for them outside Gosman, and, and he's been hurt lately. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, if I, yeah, I'm looking for me phrase it. I'll probably go Cardinals 1, Blue Jays 2. Uh, you're right. Uh, Toronto, if they, if they want to go deep in the playoffs or even get to the playoffs, then they should make it. Uh, they, they definitely could use a, uh, a front-line starter. Toronto's offense has been really good this year, right? Like I know people are talking about Chapman isn't at the same level as he was before. And and Vlad Jr.'s had a great year, but we expect Vlad Jr. to have great years. And Biggio has been, I, I think he has close to like an 800 OPS, but the, the Blue Jays offense is really good, right? My, like my eyes aren't deceiving me on that one, even if the stats aren't like off the wall. No, very good. And I, and I think what happened last year, Vlad Guerrero, he spoiled everybody. He's like, Hey, Vlad's a, Good players can be a very good player. Should be a perennial all star. But to do that, what he did last year, you take away Otani, he said, you know, he would have won the uh, MVP in the landslide. Uh, so, yeah, and he's not having, he's having a very good year, 
but not an all-star year or MVP caliber year. So I, I think that was a big difference. You know, they don't have Marcus Simeon either. Simeon had a wonderful year for those guys. So, you know, he, he's out of the mix. But, yeah, still a very good offensive team, and a team can scare anybody in the postseason. You know, if, if, they, uh, if the Astros or Yankees are going to get upset uh, before they meet each other, you know, the Blue Jays might be the one team to do it. Do you think the Mariners are a good baseball team? Because you just kind of made me think about that in my head. Are, are they a good baseball team or are they not a good baseball team? They're not a bad baseball team. I mean, they, you know, they underperformed, grossly underperformed early on. Now they're playing, you know, much better baseball. Uh, you know, I think it'd be a huge disappointment if they don't make the playoffs with expanded uh, postseason. You know, this team's got a, uh, you know, too much talent. And, you know, you're talking about 2001. That's mind-boggling. Uh, you know, they, they got a great fan base. They got money up there. Uh, when you talk to GMs, they love to have that GM job. Talk to managers. I love to have that managerial job. So it'll be interesting. I, I'm not sure Jerry DePoto, the GM, or uh, Scott Service, and managers on the hot seat. But if they don't make the playoffs again, there's going to be some question, hard questions answered. It's just been way too long. Do you think that you, t- you talked about the San Francisco Giants also? Do you think the San Francisco Giants will make the playoffs this year? Because the National League, like you talked about, it's more balanced, but it does feel like it's going to be Dodgers, Padres, one of the NL Central teams, and the Braves and the Mets taking up five of the spots. So do you think the Giants are good enough to get back to the playoffs this year? I'm not sure. You know, I think it'd be them between them, uh, the NL Central runner-up, and the uh, in the Phillies. And I think I do think the Phillies will go get another outfielder uh, to help out. Uh, Giants are okay. You know, last year they spoiled everybody. You know, her seven wins, they weren't going to do that again. So everything looks bad compared to last year. I mean, it was a magical year. They're not having that same magic this year. Uh, you know, the, the way uh, this is the last year they're going to have the division C you know, or the schedule set up the way it is. Next year, everybody plays everybody. So right now, if you're uh, the Brewers and the Cardinals, you have a huge advantage. I mean, we're talking about, you know, we talk about the Reds, the Pirates, and the Cubs, three rebuilding teams who are going to sell. They're not going to buy any players at the trade deadline. So those teams should get worse. So it's almost impossible, you would think, that the Cardinals and uh, Brewers won't both win 90 games. So, you know, maybe there won't be any uh, other playoff berth for the, you know, for the Giants uh, or the Phillies. I think you, you've glossed over something that maybe a lot of people don't know is that um, there's going to be no more like quote unquote interleague play beginning next year because everyone is going to play everyone and there's going to be less games against your divisional opponents than there would be normally. So could you kind of explain the logistics behind that? Cause I feel like a lot of baseball fans hear that and they're like, what the, the schedule's changing. There's, there's no more interleague play. Everyone's going to play every team next year. Yeah. It should be a, make a lot more fun. You know, I, I'm sure the rivals will still play. You know, I'm certainly, uh, Angels, Dodgers will still play more than the, uh, you know, a, a typical interleague uh, schedule. But, yeah, so you'll be you'll be playing, uh, you know, less games, three games less uh, against your divisional opponents next year. And you're playing everybody. Uh, the beauty of this is, you know, I think this year Milwaukee went to uh, Baltimore for the first time since 2004. Uh, a few other cases like that, you know, Albert Pohlholz wasn't back in, St. Louis for 10 years. It's just that shouldn't happen. 
And so at least mm-hmm. now everybody plays everybody, uh, you know, at least a uh, two games in the season, uh, early play, if not three. And then they, uh, and you get to see the next team uh, next year. So if you're seeing, if you're living in San Diego, you're guaranteed to see the Yankees and the Red Sox at least once every other year, uh, which would make a lot more fun and a lot more fair too with the, uh, with the competitiveness in the sense where, you know, I mentioned, you know, the Milwaukee and St. Louis having such a huge advantage playing in that division compared to if you're in the NL West or the, uh, or the NL East. Bob, I appreciate your time as always. Um, I hope you have a, a great time over the next couple of weeks and obviously the all-star games in Los Angeles this year. So uh, thank you again and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. All right. So look forward to it. Thank you so much.